few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Joe referred to me as the one in the bullpen, the reliever, waiting to come in. I've never been called that before, but that's, a, that's okay. I, I would do that for my son. Uh, my wife and I have been coming here since last September. At least we come here when we're not out traveling, and uh, just so good to be a part of this wonderful church. If you're if you're here for the first time, we do urge you to come back. You will hear a really good message next week and the week after <laughs> from, the, you, from the starter, not the, not the bullpen reliever, but from the starter. And uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of happy because this is the last day out of six weeks uh, <clears throat> since I had my first cataract surgery and uh, then I had the second one and then you get on this regimen of drops and drops and drops. Actually. When I went into the doctor and he said, you've got a problem with cataracts, I said, you must be mistaken. I drive Lincolns. <laughs> and Joe warned you about my dad jokes, right? I think he warned you about that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Some of you are still waiting to, well, what? What do you say? <laughs> this morning's service, the theme so far with the music we've uh, we've worshiped by and uh, with what you'll continue to hear is about deliverance. We're going to talk about breaking chains. And uh, just before I get into the meat of the message, I want us to read the word of the Lord together. So if you'll turn your Bibles to Psalm 107, we're going to read verses 10 through 14 of Psalm 107. And this is a great, great passage. We'll read it in the version that Pastor Joe usually uses uh, when he speaks on Sunday morning, the New Living Translation, because it's, it's really a good read out of that. So uh, f- either from the screen or from your own scriptures, let's read the word of the Lord together. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell and no one was there to help them. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Amen. Father, bless us this morning as we enter into the word of God and gain strength from it and power to live the lives you've called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll tell you the situation from which this message grew. I was a pastor for, uh, in one city for 24 years, and in that city, it, it's actually like home to us still, Columbia, Missouri. It's where Joe grew up, Pastor Joe grew up there, graduated high school there, spent basically all of his growing up years. We moved there when he was a year old, and, and he lived there until he went away to college. Um, <clears throat> but in that you might guess that in that 24 years time, I went a lot of times to the, I went to nearby prisons, to jails. I was in and out of a lot of situations like that. In fact, one of our church members was a chaplain at a prison 24 miles away. And in this prison, there were 18 to 24 year old young men. The prison was set up to, to take care of 800 prisoners but because of the drug problems in central Missouri, there were, there were 1,500 young men in that prison. When I would go to that prison, I would, I would cry 
because of all the potential that I saw of these hundreds of young men who had sold out their, most, most of them were in there for drug charges, who because of some drug problem or selling drugs or buying drugs or possession of drugs, they had given up their freedom to be behind those bars. But nothing affected me like one, one day I went to the sheriff's, to the, to the county jail, to the sheriff's office, and I waited in a little room because someone that I was close to had been charged with a felony. Knew this person really well. And as I waited in this little room, a clergyman's room or lawyer's room, where, where a lawyer or a clergy person would meet with, their, with the person, with the, with the inmate. As I waited in this little room, the door opened and in walked my friend. The first thing I noticed was the orange jumpsuit. And the second thing I noticed that struck me in my heart was even though she was coming to see her pastor, she had iron shackles and chains around her feet. I like to die. I knew the sheriff personally. I wanted to say, Sheriff, you don't need to do, you don't need to do that. But she was charged with a felony. He wouldn't have listened to me. What did I know? I was just a pastor. But what an awful sight in my mind to see someone who had lived in freedom now bound in chains. I remember the night I was called to the local mental health hospital there in our town. It's called Mid-Mo, Mid-Missouri Mental Health Center. And I was called, and I remember the click behind me as I went inside the hospital and heard the click behind me, meaning the door was locked. I could not get out without somebody letting me out. And led to a room where a junior in high school was, a, was in that hospital. He was not there voluntarily. He had come there because he had overdosed with drugs. He was uncontrollable. He was bound by chains. That, those kinds of experiences have prompted this message this morning to cause me to say to you, there are people that you know and that I know who are not free. They may be walking around. They may look free. But in reality, they've got an issue that has them bound up like chains about them, and they can't break loose through their own power. Wow. I've watched as people so full of potential, so much potential, sell out their potential and give it away because of the bad choices that they made that led to them being bound. No way possible within themselves to get loose. In my mind, there's, there are, there's a there are many things worse than seeing a human being who was created for freedom bound in chains. Now, our text says that when these people forgot God and got away from God and turned away from God, God gave them over. It was like God removed his protective hand and let the people go their own way and they found themselves bound. But when they cried out for mercy, when they cried out for freedom, 
when they cried out in faith to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the chains were broken. He snapped the chains. I want to go into the scriptures to bring you three biblical examples of this happening. And the first is of the leper. This story is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. This story came alive to me in 1985. I had, we had lived in the Philippines, and Pastor Joe was actually born there when we lived there. We, we say that he was made in the Philippines using American parts. <laughs> But I had lived there. I had heard about this place outside of Manila, but I hadn't gone there until I went back. I took a group of students back there in 1985, and we did some crusades, and I went there. I went to a leper colony, a leper colony. We don't call it leprosy anymore. In the modern world, it's called Hansen's disease, and and it's treatable now. Not, I, you, it's not reversible, but at least they can stop the progression of it. But the, the ends of a person's digits or toes or fingers begins to die. The, the, the feelings are gone so that the person hits their fingers against stuff and damages their fingers and parts of their fingers because they're dead, because the nerves are dead and they can't feel the, they damage them and they fall off and, and it eats away at, the, at their extremities and finally gets inside them and kills them. And in the Bible times, it was considered to be a transmittable disease. And so the people who had it were considered to be unclean in Jewish law. And as long as the person had leprosy and was considered unclean, they could not be touched by anybody who was clean, meaning that if it was a husband, his wife could not touch him. Or if it was a father, his children or grandchildren could not touch him because he was considered to be unclean. And the fear was that if you touched him and touched some of this dust on the end of the fingers where skin was falling off and death was happening, then you would get the disease. Some of you have heard about the country of Liberia, uh, the, the English-speaking country in West Africa. We had friends that graduated, people I knew that graduated the college that I used to work at in, at Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. We actually went and built leper colonies there. Well, over the years, we found out that this leprosy was probably not as contagious as we thought it was, although people still catch it, people still have it. But the idea of putting people in colonies, well, it still happens, and I saw one of those colonies. Those people with parts, parts of their fingers, parts of their limbs, parts of their toes, trying to make a living, trying to sell stuff, trying to do stuff, whatever they could do, because they were essentially shunned. This man who had leprosy was untouchable. He was a difficult, a difficult person to be around because he was considered, first of all, he was considered unhealthy before he met the giver of health in verse 12 of Luke chapter 5, he was considered to be unhealthy. He was a health risk. We've all lived through it in the past year and a half. We don't know who's a health risk because we don't know who is vaccinated and who's not vaccinated and who's had COVID and who's not had COVID. 
I'm telling you, this man had something worse for most, in most of our cases, worse than what we've experienced, even those of us that have had COVID over a, maybe an eight or 10 day period and we're able to get over it and come back to work. With this man, he had gone to the priest most likely, he'd gone through the process of cleansing, but it hadn't worked. So all the avenues of restoration for this man had been used up and followed to dead ends, and he was hopelessly a leper. You see, what started out as just a small problem at the end of one of his fingers became a consuming problem that affected his whole life. Just the sore on the end of one of his fingers ended up causing him to be unable to touch his wife, touch his child, touch the people he loved, be touched by them, even come close. When he came close to someone, he had to cry, leper, leper. And the person had to cross to the other side of the street, couldn't get as close as the street distance to him. The leper was considered unhealthy. And the leper was considered religiously unclean because his religion had typecast him as unworthy or unable to be restored. There was simply no hope. No one looked at him and said, someday he'll get over that. Someday he'll get better. Someday he'll be restored. Someday he'll get to go home to his family. Someday he'll get to hold his child. No, when people looked at him and knew that he had gone to the priest and gone through cleansing, but it hadn't worked, he was considered a lost cause. His religion would not let him enter the temple, the place where the sacrifices for sin were made on the Day of Atonement. He couldn't go in there because he was unclean, religiously unclean. He could not find grace because grace was inside the temple and he was barred from entering the temple grounds. Now the temple was a, a, a 30 by 90 foot building in the midst of 35 acres of property on the top of Mount Zion. It was a quarter mile square almost, but the gate where he would enter would not let him into any part of the square. He couldn't get close to the altar because he was considered unclean. His religion had doomed him and basically said, there's no place to turn until by the providence of God, Jesus came along. The leper was untouchable. This is probably the hardest part, the hardest part. Over Christmas, when Doris and I had covid and uh, we, had, we had planned a big Christmas thing, you know, and our son was cooking the fatted goose or turkey or whatever he was cooking, and, and, uh, and the fam we were all, I mean, it was just going to be a great time. We were going to gather, and we ended up getting a sack full of food brought and set on the table outside our door, and our grandchild that brought it set it down and ran like he was running from something that was about to get him. And, <laughs> And so then we opened the door and went out and picked up the sack. You know, this, this whole thing of being untouchable, of coming to church and being told you can't hug, you can't, you can't shake hands, you can't pass an offering basket, you can't touch anybody. We've, we've lived through that the last year. We're glad it's over. There's something about the strength from the human touch 
something about the strength from the human touch. I, I learned this the hard way. I was in a hospital visiting a pastor in Harare, Zimbabwe. At that time, back in the year 2000, Zimbabwe was really hard hit with AIDS. About one out of every four adults had some issue with contracting AIDS or, I mean, it was, it was rampant in the country and there were orphans everywhere because, and we had a pastor who was about 32 years of age who, had, age, who completely heterosexual, had not sinned, but I don't know how. Anyway, he contracted AIDS was laying in a, in, a, in a hospital, his belly distended, sores on his body. And I was taken with my missionary friend to pray for this brother, for God to touch him. My first response, my first human response was, don't touch him. But I felt so strong, the Spirit of the Lord checked me. And by faith, I reached out my hand and laid my hand on his forehead like I would any of you if I came to the hospital and visited you and prayed the prayer of faith for him because I could not leave his room without touching him. There's something powerful about the touch. But this leper in our Bible lesson today couldn't be touched. He was untouchable. But Jesus, but Jesus, the scripture says, put out his hand. Jesus reached out through all of the taboos. He reached out through the ceremonial reasons why not. And with his hand, he touched the leper and he said, be clean. Woo. And at that moment, the leprosy left him. All signs. I would have loved to have been there to watch his fingers pop back out and his toes pop back out and the, the white scaly scents fall off of him and the power of leprosy let go of him because he was free. That day, Jesus broke the chain of leprosy off that man. Now to Mark chapter 5. We're going to talk about the loser. The loser. When I first wrote this message, I titled this part The Lunatic, but then I figured out that was not politically correct. So I changed it <laughs> to loser. In verse 2, it tells us that the loser was hapless. Now, that's a word you don't use very often, so let me explain it. It means there was absolutely no way for this person to help himself. There was no set of circumstances by which this person could find any help. No hope. This person was hapless because no one had the solution for his problem. He was, he was demon-possessed. He wouldn't wear clothes. He lived out in, among the tombstones in a cemetery in a Gentile part of the Sea of Galilee, on the, on the sort of the southeast side of the Sea of Galilee in a Gentile city where they raised pigs. That's how you know it was a Gentile city. He, he, he had no hope. He lived out among the tombstones, wouldn't wear clothes, made a lot of sounds. They, they tried at times to chain him, but he was so strong he would break chains and he would, he would run through the night wailing and howling through the night. Everybody knew him. Verse 5 of Mark chapter 5 tells us that he was hopeless. He was trying to destroy himself. He would cut himself. He would, he would try to relieve some of the agony and the pain that he felt. He would cut himself, 
And in verse number 2 and verse number 15, I'll use this southern word that I know the meaning of, maybe you do, he was hogtied. There was a power that had a hold of him greater than physical chains because he could break physical chains, but he could not break the power that had a hold of him until Jesus took a boat ride across the Sea of Galilee all the way across the sea from one side to the other, got out of the boat and walked up among the tombstones and spoke to this hopeless, hapless, helpless man and freed him of the demons that possessed him. Because Jesus has power over evil spirits. You see, it's within the power of Jesus to completely reverse the work of the enemy. (laughs) What the devil means for bad, God turns around for good. The course of a person's life may seem to be set until Jesus intervenes. And when Jesus comes in, the course of that person's life turns around. In Christ, the hopeless person who is completely defeated by the circumstances of life regains control, self-esteem, self-confidence, self-control. I put it this way, in Jesus, the loser can become the laureate, the winner. The the, the louse can become the leading light and the luckless can become the luminary. When Jesus comes, the chains are broken. And life is restored. And then the real potential of a person can come out. Jesus, when Jesus comes. And the third example is the example of the liar. And there are three or four scripture passages we're going to deal with, but mainly from John chapter 18 and John chapter 21. The apostle Peter was... Outspoken and at times spoke before he thought, his mouth engaged before his mind. I'm sure none of you ever have that problem where you think before you talk. So, when Jesus was trying to tell what was going to happen to him and what was going to transpire within the next few hours, Peter interrupted him Lord, I'll die with you. Peter boasted of himself and of his own strength and of his power. But Jesus said, Peter, in the morning the rooster's going to crow, and by that time you will have denied me three times. Now that cut Peter to the heart, and I'm sure Peter said to himself, that will never happen in a million years. I will never defy or deny the power of God. But sure enough, Peter was undependable. When Jesus needed a witness, when he needed somebody to stand for him, even when he needed somebody just to stand at the cross while he suffered on the cross, Peter was not there. He was swept away with feelings of ineptness and weakness because when the critical moment had come for him to stand up for Jesus, standing by the fire with a little maiden, 
a young woman servant asking him, aren't you one of them? He cursed and denied that he ever knew Jesus. Wow. He was undependable because what Jesus needed was a witness, someone, someone to stand for him, someone to stand by him and with him. And Peter let him down because what Peter boasted of how he would, he would die for Christ He couldn't even open his mouth for Jesus. He failed to be a witness. He was unreliable. At a critical moment, at just the right moment, he could have stood up and said, I'm with him. I'm with him. Don't you love people who at the right moment stand up for you? I mean, I mean you're, you're all alone, and then somebody just comes and says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I've been there before. I remember going into a hospital room. I was called there because one of our church members was in his final moments of life. Number of family there, so when I got there and I had prayer with the person, I just went over and sat in a chair over in the corner. I prayed, but I mean, I, really, I was just sitting, sitting in the corner. But that's all those people needed just to have their pastor sit in the corner. And when it was all over, they came to me and said, I don't know what we would have done without you. I thought, I just sat in the corner. It was just the fact I was there. Don't you love it when you really need somebody and they just show up? I'll never forget, I was in college in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, in my undergraduate work many years ago, and the local pastor and his wife had taken Doris and me in. We lived in another town. They'd helped us start a church, so we'd pioneered a church, and I, would, I commuted to college from the town that we were starting a church in, but I would often go by Pastor Joe Schultz and his wife Edith. I would often go by their house, especially if it got anywhere around lunchtime, and I was free. You know college students and eating lunch free? So I went by one day, just dropped in about 11.15 with about an hour and a half to kill. It so happened that the church was in revival and Sister Edith Schultz was cooking for the evangelist. And the evangelist came to her at about a quarter to 12. His name was Floyd. Brother Floyd came to Sister Edith and said, Oh, I forgot to tell you. I'm fasting lunch today. She had just cooked a masterpiece of a lunch. It was 15 minutes from being set on the table, and now the guest of honor says, oh, I forgot to tell you, I'm fasting. I never saw her quite that angry. I did her funeral when she was just past 90. I never saw her from then until the day she died quite that angry. But she, she had a little bit of fire in her eyes. She turned around to me and she said, it's a good thing you're here. I don't think it was so much I was me. It's that there was a big old hulk of a college kid with an empty stomach to eat all of this food. Sometimes it's good just to have a body. They're with you. 
when Jesus needed someone with him, Peter wasn't there. And Peter lied. He was untruthful. In the course of the early morning hours before the rooster crowed, Peter told three outright lies, all in an effort to protect himself. Self-protection. Nowadays, with, with our loose kind of moral sense of what's true and what's not true, we excuse people if they tell a lie, if they have a good reason for telling a lie. In my mama's definition, there were no good reasons to ever lie, period, with the threat of getting your mouth washed out with soap if you did. But Peter told three outright lies, and all of them were in an effort to protect himself. He broke the commandments. He broke scriptural principles. He betrayed Jesus. He betrayed his own belief system because he was so bound for fear of his own loss. Oh, he was safe, but was he sorry? He was secure, but inside he was absolutely broken and sad. He was spared from hurt because he denied Jesus. But there's every indication that he was shaken in his spirit inside. He had a hard time living with himself because of what he had done. Then, miracle of miracles. Peter and some of the other disciples are out fishing in the Sea of Galilee. And away on the shore, there's a figure of a person stoking a little fire. And he calls them, have you caught anything? No, well, try the other side. They get a draft of fish, a big net full of fish. And Peter and John turn around and recognize the person on the shore is Jesus. They turn the boat around and start dragging the net of fish toward land. Peter can't wait. He's been waiting for a time to tell Jesus, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He removes his cloak, jumps in the water and starts swimming ferociously to get back to land. Actually, the boat beats him there. He should have stayed in the boat. He gets back to land. Jesus uses that famous phrase, come and dine. He's got bread and fish on the fire before they ever get there. Where did he get his fish? Well, somewhere, but he had fish. He's got bread and fish on the fire. He's ready for them to eat. And as they sat around the fire and began to eat their breakfast, Jesus turns to Peter and he says, do you love me? Oh, Lord, you know I love you. They did a little bit more. And Jesus said, do you, do you really love me? Lord, you know. They did a little bit more. And he says, Peter, do you really love me like you say you do? Lord, you know. By this time, Peter's broken. He's denied Christ three times, and now he's professed three times that he loves the Lord. But then something miraculous happens. When Jesus first met Peter, he called Peter by saying, follow me. 
And in John chapter 21, verse 19, he uses those same words, Peter. Follow me. It's as if he's recommissioning Peter. As, as if to say, Peter, the chains that were about you are broken down. I've not come to condemn you, but I've come to redeem you. I've come to bring you back into the fold. I've come to give you life. I've come to renew your spirit. I've come to give you a new lease on life. I've come to give you a new joy and a new peace. I've come to take away the old failures and replace it with the power of God in your life. And Peter could stand up and say at the end of that, The deliverer has come. The deliverer has come. Let me make four or five applications as the worship team comes back and prepares to sing a song. Again, that will go right along with this message. I'd like to make an announcement to you this morning. Your chains, whatever they might be, are no match for the power of God. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's 2 Corinthians 10.4. When you're willing to give permission for Jesus to come into your life, when you're willing to say yes to him, he's calling. When you're willing to turn toward him and say yes to him, he will come in and give you life. He will breathe into your dead spirit and bring it to life. He will come through with breakthrough power. He will break every chain. When the leper in our story that we told earlier, when he knelt and begged Jesus for help. Help came. You may be to that point this morning to be past any word of help. I've known people like that, helped people like that. You've had someone tell you, you you cannot be helped in any way. That was the leper. There's no helping you. But when Jesus came his way, he threw himself down before Jesus and begged him mercy. And the one who had no hope all of a sudden felt the touch of the mighty hand of God on his life. Leprosy left him and freedom came. There's no disease that will not flee when the master puts his hand on you. There's no problem in your life that will not leave when Jesus touches your life. I'm telling you, I'm talking about the power of God that can break every chain. The power of God that can come into your life. When that loser, that man demon-possessed, when something within him compelled him to run to Jesus, even though the demons that were in him was trying to tell him, run away, but he ran. Something in him caused him to run to Jesus. Who are you? They asked Jesus. Jesus said, you know who I am. They knew his name even before they asked because they had met him in the underworld. They had met him before the evil power had come into contact with the power of the Son of God before they knew him. 
And they knew that when this man cried out to Jesus, they were doomed. They were doomed. You see, there comes a time when you need to turn from running toward your problem and run away from it and run toward Jesus. There comes a time when your problem cannot hold you anymore. You need to lay it down, turn around, and run toward Jesus. And when Peter, Peter the liar, when he saw Jesus and knew it was his chance, threw off his heavy coat, jumped in the water, swam for all he was worth because he had one desire in his heart, get to Jesus. That's why, that's why I've never hesitated in calling people to an altar of prayer. Because when this good news about Jesus gets into your heart, you can't help but run to him. Woo. You just want to get up from where you are and say, I'm running to him. I'm going to come running to Jesus because I realize he's the giver of life because everything I want is in him because I want the freedom he gives and the power he gives. All three of these examples came running to Jesus to receive his power because he promised to give liberty to the captive, to set the captive free. It's as if they walked up to Jesus holding their chain and Jesus took out his big chain cutters and just snipped the chains right off of them. And all of a sudden, the chain of leprosy was gone. The chain of demon possession was gone. The chain of a lying spirit was gone. And they celebrated in the freedom that only Jesus can give. Wow. And the truth is, you can too. I'm coming right back. But let's sing the words of this song. Would you stand with us as we sing it? Let's sing it, guys. same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside But there's a better life There's a better life If you've got pain He's a pain taker if you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison faking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. Come on, I want to do something this morning. If you feel bound by something in your life and you know what it is, I want you to do like you said, I want you to bring it to the front. I want you to just lay it at the feet of Jesus because you can't just hold on to it and say, Amen. Jesus, if you want me bound, uh, me free from this, then Amen. just take it. No, we have to say, I'm done with this and we have to lay it at his feet. So I want you to take a physical stance this morning and not just sit at your seat, but to walk it to the throne room of Jesus and lay it at his feet. And I promise you, without hesitation, he's going to take it. Come on, let's sing this out. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. 
We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight We've all run to things we know just ain't right But there's a better life There's a better life Cause if you've got pain He's a pain taker Oh, if you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom or saving He's a prison shaking savior If you've got chains He's a chain Come on, sing that chorus again If you've got chain He's a pain taker Oh, if you feel lost He's a way maker And if you need freedom or saving He's a prison shaking savior If you've got chains Chain Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, I love this part. Let's sing it out. Jesus, if you believe it, and if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. Sometimes not that's all it takes is the testimony of somebody else who has walked through it and said if Jesus did it for me, he can do it for you. We just have to testify. Come on, let's sing this out. If you believe it, if you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. One more time. If you believe it, oh, if you receive it, if you can Somebody testify if you've got pain, he's a pain taker. Oh, if you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. Amen. Amen. If you need healing, lift your hand right now. If you're sick in body, just lift your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of God, we pronounce healing and strength and power. You have come to heal all manner of disease. We pray that there will be healing in this room right now. Touch those whose bodies need healing and heal them in the name of Jesus. Let the power of God rest on them at this moment and let them shout to the praises of God because of their healing in the G in Jesus name in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you feel like you're on a dead end street, if you're hapless, if you don't see any way out, if, if there's if there are problems in your life you can't seem to get control of and you just need deliverance by the power of God, just lift your hand and hold it up. Father, I pray for my friends 
We're praying together right now because we just have the feeling we can't help ourselves. We can't do anything. We're just stuck, oh God. We're waiting for you to come, so we run to you. We throw ourselves at your feet, and we cry out, help me, Jesus. And your word says if we will ask, you will answer. So come, Lord Jesus, and deliver those that are helpless right now. Touch us, oh God. Bring us through it. Bring us through it. If you feel like I've disappointed God, I've turned away, I've backslidden, I've gone away from my commitment to God, you can't do any worse than what Peter did, but Jesus restored him. So if you've got the feeling like I've been away from God for a long time and I need to return, just lift your hand right now. Father, in Jesus' name, bring back the person who used to have a hot burning faith and it got cold. They turned away from you. They disappointed themselves and they disappointed you. But restore them today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 The Lord is in this place to deliver. The Lord is in this place to heal. The Lord is in this place. Hallelujah. Now let's lift our hands. Kelly, let's sing it again. If you've got pain. If you've got pain. He's a pain taker and if you feel lost he's a way maker if you need freedom or saving he's a prison shaking savior if you've got chains he's a chain breaker if you've got pain give it up to him he's a pain taker Shaking Savior, if you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. You know, I know, I know how services are normally ended, but we're gonna, I think we'll make a little adjustment, Ted, if it's okay. And the, 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 the you can give as you leave today. We, we want you to, we, the church needs to be healthy and it's, it's really growing in financial strength and health. We need you to be faithful. Please be faithful. There'll be men at the door with receptacles for you to give an offering. You can also give online and give on the app. You know all of that. So do that as you go out. But I believe that I believe that we just need to wait. Some of us need to wait. Some of you need to go. I understand. Just feel free. I'm going to bless you and you can go. But some of us need to hang out for a few minutes and sing the song another time or two. And, and so after that, we just won't have, we'll just say thank you for coming. Thank you for being online. Love you. And, and let you go, but first let me bless you. Father, I just bless these people with freedom in the name of Jesus and the power of God to rest on them. I pray that the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the communion of the Holy Spirit will be with them now and forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you.